Now, KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. All right, here we go, Bob. Our first uh, November Bob Olin show. Doesn't feel like November, but here it is, November 1st. Good morning. Well, good morning, Dave, and I think uh, we'll all take this beautiful November first any day, right? Yeah, it certainly has been a well. Actually, the last couple of weeks have been pretty nice. Been very, very nice. The interesting thing is, we had some very cold weather earlier, mm-hmm. and looking at all the weather statistics, believe it or not, we're having a very average year. And it doesn't always feel like that because it's extremely cold or it's extremely warm. <laughs> But nonetheless, I guess that's what averages are all about. But uh, really, really great day in the Northland. You just won't find them any better than this. It's just uh, spectacular. Got a nice walk this morning, taking a look at some of the things I'll be doing over the next couple of days. And we talk about a few of those things, uh, a little garden prep stuff, a little lawn stuff, uh, just maybe a little composting if we get along here, Dave. Yeah, I had a note uh, this morning that people are urging uh, folks who have leftover jack-o'-lanterns to go ahead and compost those things. By all means, uh, the, you know, they, they compost very readily. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, one of the things about our soils in northeastern Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin, they tend to be quite heavy. Uh, the organic level tends to be quite low, oftentimes uh, under 2%, 1%. We'd like to get up about 5 6%. And uh, one of the best ways you can do that is just compost every single kitchen scrap you've got, including that pumpkin, <laughs> and uh, put it back in the earth where it came from. So uh, that actually does a great deal in terms of improving your outdoor garden soils if you want to do something with your house plants. Uh, certainly a little mineral soil added to a, a potting soil mix is very beneficial, but we want to get some organics in there. Organics uh, do so much for us. They provide a nice steady flow of nutrients. Uh, they will hold water if we have a real light or sandy soil. They will actually improve the drainage if we have a heavy or, or a clay soil. So there's numerous benefits that come from uh, from some compost in the soil and certainly in terms of feeds what we call feedstock what goes into the compost pile uh, pumpkins certainly uh, will, will better there than in the landfill or someplace right. else Dave. Absolutely and I'm sure there's a lot of pumpkins around after uh, uh, Halloween is over now and they yeah, get some Halloween cheap candy too if you've got any you know, left. We, <laughs> absolutely we did have a uh, had a nice pumpkin year of course mm-hmm. Uh, remarkably, they grew uh, surprisingly well. We did not have any real warm weather this year. I mean, we had one day when it was about 94 degrees. Other than that, it was pretty mild. So um, it's surprising to me. I think we had a nice long growing season. So consequently, uh, the pumpkins had a chance to ripen. So we had some nice locally uh, produced product, Dave. Well, if you protected your plants, I mean, with temps in the 60s now every day through what looks like almost up until Friday and uh, above freezing temperatures, temperatures at night you could probably still keep that garden going if you protected it early on well you're absolutely right it's it's kind of remarkable we've got a uh, fall crop of cauliflower fall crop of broccoli <laughs> cabbage uh, the plants baited through some of that colder weather and some of that was protected some was not and yet uh, with this spurt of warm weather uh, they're producing nicely heads of cauliflower are actually shaping up it really I, I really can't recall a November where we've really still been able to grow things, but there still is some of that going on for sure, Dave. Yeah, yesterday I understand it was the warmest Halloween in Duluth for the last 22 years. Is that right? Uh, the last time it was that warm was back in t- t- 2000. 
interesting on Halloween, and of course mm-hmm. it takes us back. What was that? Who oh, help me? What was the Halloween storm? Was that? Uh, oh yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was in the ninety ninety two something like that. Ninety two, ninety six, something like I that. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> no, not exactly. I remember the. I remember the storm though. <laughs> yes, I do too. I don't remember the year it happened, but no, it was uh, quite remarkable. So. You know, it gives us a, an interesting, uh, always an interesting conversation piece because mm-hmm. the, the weather is so variable. But I'd say it was a kind of an unremarkable year in many ways, just about average, uh, even precipitation-wise. Uh, temperatures were the, within a, a degree of our, our all-time average, and precipitation was kind of the same way. So, But when the rest of the world was pretty warm, I think we'll take average any, any day, and uh, I think today's a wonderful opportunity, next several days actually, for getting some of those garden chores done and accomplished. And, you know, we talk a little bit about uh, composting. I think that's one of the activities we another segment here we'll talk about some of the basics there but you know uh, you look at leaves a little differently not a task that you have to get done this fall but something instead you're picking up all this wonderful feedstock that's going to go in your compost pile that's going to enrich your gardens or enrich a a potting soil if you want to use some of it for that Uh, so it it takes on uh, a slightly different perspective in other words this is uh, what we call gardener's gold in the making when you start picking up some of those uh, leaves. Now these warm temperatures. I know we were supposed to start planting bulbs about, what, mid-October, but uh, is this warm weather going to get those growing too quick? Uh, well, I don't really think so. Okay. You know, soil temperatures are cool if you yeah. went in in mid-October, but this is the very reason that we don't want to go mid-September. Right. Go Mid-September, then we've got the tips out of the ground, and we don't know what's coming, but certainly we could have a, a sharp reversal in temperatures, and then we freeze those growing tips off. So that's the risk. That's why we don't want to plant spring flowering bulbs or garlic or uh, shallots, any of those uh, crops you want to try to get started in the fall, but you want them to emerge in the spring. So we don't get started too early. But it does bring up a good point. There's still plenty of opportunity to put bulbs in the ground. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, sometimes you, you buy them at a discount now because the season is moving on real quickly into Thanksgiving, then the holidays, and uh, some of the outlets uh, will want to just discount and get rid of the bulbs right now while they still can. And there's still plenty of opportunity to get them in the ground. You don't want to keep them. You want to make sure you make uh, take the time and, and put them in the ground. And again, uh, we've mentioned it before, but if you are planting spring flowering bulbs, you're in an urban area where you've got a gray squirrel population, uh, be sure you get some kind of protection on top of that, the window screen or, or hardware cloth or something like that so they can't get at them because they're just they're kind of a gourmet item for gray squirrels for sure. All right, very good. We'll take a break, Bob, and be right back. Bob Olin Show here on KDAL 922. Once again, Bob Olin. Bob, uh, the farmer's market wrapping up on uh, last Saturday, right? Or, or is there more to come? Yeah, we got one more weekend. Uh, the uh, official farmer's market mm-hmm. uh, had its final day on Saturday, which was great. We saw so many great friends. Re- really a nice day. Lots of folks out. Lots of pumpkins went out the door on, on <laughs> Saturday. But uh, we do have a festival. A festival of the season. Things shift gears a little bit, and this is one... Well, we open it up really to local crafters, and everything uh, stays local, so it's not product made overseas or something, but this is uh, just a a variety of different things. Lots of greens are going to be there. A lot of our local farmers also have Christmas tree operations, and they're cutting greens, so they'll all be there. Uh, There will still be some produce. Uh, A few of our growers will still be there with uh, squash and potatoes and 
Wow, it's been so remarkable. Maybe even a few, uh, possibly a few tomatoes yet, uh, but you can stock up on pie pumpkins and, and other things for your Thanksgiving feast. But there'll be just a, just a plethora, if I can use that word, of uh, local crafts, a lot of candles, scents, maple syrup, a lot of gifting things that uh, are certainly going to be available. So the uh, the flavor changes a little bit. It's still a community event. I have to mention, it always gets so busy during the festival that we have a, uh, a shuttle service. We're going to have uh, a bus that's going to run continuously from the parking lot on 6th Avenue East and 3rd Street. I believe that's St. Luke's parking lot that they're, they're renting for the day from 10 to 3 this Saturday. So uh, if you want to avoid all the crowds, just uh, park your car there, uh, 3rd Street and 6th Avenue East. Uh, grab the shuttle. It'll be running back and forth for the entire duration from 10 to 3. It'll be a good time. Uh, that uh, Then we shift to Christmas trees and other things. But this will be the last actual activity where you can come and still get some produce, but also get a lot of good bakery goods as well as many uh, craft items for the holiday season. Festival wow. season this Saturday, 10 to 3. Never know what you might find there. Yeah, there's there's always a tremendous diversity of things uh, because we open it up and some of the uh, some of the vendors are former vegetable vendors. They got tired of working out in the field, so now they're working on crafts and they're all homemade uh, local items. So it's always a lot of fun for sure. Hard to believe we're getting into the holiday season already. <laughs> it's supposed to be yeah, little... it really is. And Halloween, of course, has become so big. It's, right. it's great. The weather was so nice because it's fun for the kids, fun for the adults. Uh, I think uh, with everything going on in the world, we need a little fun in our lives. Yep. And uh, last night. It was certainly one of those nights. It was a great evening, for sure. Well, you never know. Winter is going to hit eventually, that's for sure. I'm sure we'll see it before the uh, <clears throat> before spring. I think you can bank on it. And once <laughs> it gets here, it seems, it seems to last a while. There so we're go. going to enjoy every every bit of this, and the forecast looks good, uh, certainly through the weekend. So we're very fortunate that way. All right, the leaves are coming down. Do we, we leave the leaves on the lawn? Do we rake them up? Do we mulch them? What do we do? Okay, I think uh, leaves, uh, again, uh, uh, don't you think, Dave, uh, life is a little bit about your perspective on things? Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, leaves instead of a task, uh, this is a wonderful gift from nature that you're getting to put in your compost pile. So ideally, we want to get them off the lawn. Um, you know, you're raking them up and getting them in a pile and, and composting would be an ideal scenario. There are mulching mowers if you don't have too heavy of a blanket where you can get out there and you get them chopped up, uh, potentially leave a little bit of that on there. But we do want to continue to manage the lawn coming into the fall. Even if it's a little long, we don't we don't want it to go in long. We don't want it to go in short. We want to just uh, continuing, continue to mow at your regulation height. Uh, when we leave leaves on there, we get moisture that accumulates underneath there. And with moisture under a leaf layer like that, we can get mold, some fungi, and this can be oftentimes very difficult to control in the lawn. So that's the reason we'd like to get them off in the fall. If uh, circumstances are such as you don't have the opportunity, just go after them early in the spring. Uh, you want the lawn and the landscape at guarding. Like I tell people, this is a fun activity. Let's not get too stressed. Let's uh, let's do it, make it work in our schedule. But oftentimes the weather doesn't cooperate. This situation looks like the weather is going to be uh, just fantastic. So uh, do what you can, get it raked, look at them as a valuable resource, uh, get that compost pile going. What I like to do is I like to take uh, grass clippings, which are green. Now, the green pigment uh, actually is chlorophyll, and, and that is a nitrogen source. Uh, it, it's kind of the magic pigment. It's the reason we have life as we know it on Earth. We've got uh, 
this green pigment that, that obviously produces oxygen as well as uh, sugar, so we got something to eat, something to breathe, and sucks in carbon dioxide in the process. So green is really good. That nitrogen actually goes into your compost pile. It becomes a source for the protein for the fungi and the bacteria that are going to do the actual composting. So uh, leaves, which are brown in color, are a uh, sugar source. There are uh, uh, cellulose there that gets broken down by the bacteria, but they need protein to multiply, and that protein comes from the nitrogen that's in the grass. So if you mix your green grass clippings with your leaves and get a, make sure you get a little water, it could be dry here. So let's get the garden hose out there as well. So we need some moisture. We need a, a well-ventilated pile. You want to get yourself... Uh, uh, either a structure if you if you're in town in many cases uh, there are regulations where you have to be composting within some kind of a uh, structure get it as big as you can so it doesn't freeze from the outside in or just get a great big pile the bigger the pile if you can get a five foot pile it tends to self insulate I uh, did a little research on this which was a pretty uh, a big eye opener for me because I looked at a lot of different systems and it seems like just a great big pile of uh, leaves and grass clippings maybe with even a little bit of uh, brush in there just to keep it porous. You want to get the oxygen to work its way through that pile. And that composting process uh, with adequate nitrogen can take off and can start very quickly. And you can compost uh, right through most of the winter months. You can maintain those 115, 120, 130 degree temperatures. So the process continues on the inside. It's the leaves on the outside that provide the insulating blanket. That's why you want a, you want a big pile. You don't necessarily have to do a lot of turning ultimately you're going to turn that outside uh, group of leaves which really were drying down so they weren't uh, composting we'll get those worked into the center and they become part of the composting process as well so basically it's a it's nature's way of actually making this conversion and it's a very very natural process and then when you're finished with this and uh, composting takes a while so you're going to look at maybe uh, nine months uh, to get the product complete don't be fooled by uh, some of these advertisements where they claim you just add just a little bit of an amendment and all of a sudden you're done in uh, two, three weeks. doesn't work that way. We want to make sure that we've got a good, complete, mature compost, and uh, that'll take uh, nine months to a year to get accomplished. So every year you should have a new batch of uh, mature compost coming out, and then you can uh, replenish that with the leaves and grass clippings and, and other things uh, from the yard and garden. You know, Dave, we did have uh, we had some disease issues this year. We had some late blight on a lot of our tomatoes and uh, you know these kind of diseased items coming off the garden if they go into a hot compost pile you're going to be just fine we just don't want them sitting uh, taken off the garden and sitting someplace where those uh, fungal spores can continue to cause a problem next season so let's get them deep in the pile let's get that compost pile running good enough and that will take care of some of these disease items if you don't feel you're a proficient composter, then oftentimes those can go in the trash or they can go out to the sanitary district or municipal compost site where they can compost them uh, efficiently, Dave. So, so if you're going to start a pile this uh, fall, obviously it's not going to be ready by spring for your garden. You might have to wait a bit. 
Well, you know, that was my goal initially, to compost entirely through the winter. And to be completely uh, practical with it, it it probably is going to be ready to go sometime about midsummer next year. Ah, okay. So uh, if we're real efficient and uh, you were able to aerate and uh, turn perhaps even during a winter month there to keep things going, I think you could have it ready to go from spring. But uh, we can compost through the winter, but uh, from a practical standpoint, it's probably going to be ready about uh, mid-next season. So you're going to take what you started the previous year, that'll be ready to go, and that's what will go on your garden next spring, and you can get it out there. You can incorporate it into the soil, and uh, so many of our soils are low in organics. Uh, Just to add the organics, a great deal uh, to improve your vegetable production. I'm pretty big on that. That's one thing that uh, we like to like to do at the farm for sure is get more organics down in the soil. You mentioned uh, last time that you can also use leaves as an insulator if you put them in a bag or something to keep them fluffed up, I guess. Absolutely. I think... Uh, well, a couple of things you do want to do. People say, I just I just want to rake those leaves mm-hmm. out onto the garden. <laughs> um, you know, what happens is we get, um, we call that direct application. A few leaves we're not going to worry about. Mm-hmm. But uh, the composting process is one where we actually become acidic for a short period of time. And what we found with a significant amount of leaves just raked onto the garden is actually we, we have these intermediate acids that occur, and we it actually damages the production the next year. So I always tell people, compost first, let it break down in the compost pile, and then move that finished mature product, which is just about neutral. Starts out neutral, goes acidic, and remains about uh, returns to neutrality. So then it goes on the garden at that point. Uh, you don't influence your garden's pH, and uh, you just uh, add the great things about compost. Again, there's going to be nutrient release, nitrogen and phosphorus, as well as some of the trace nutrients. And then you're going to have this wonderful capacity to open up the soil so the roots can expand. So there's a physical ability there and physical characteristics just expanding that heavy soil. And it will also improve drainage on a clay, and it will uh, improve moisture retention on a lighter, sandy, or sandy loam. So all kinds of benefits, and I don't see any drawback at all. People will say, I have a heavy soil, I want to add sand. Let's not add sand. Uh, We can get a hard pan, something akin to concrete. I've seen that happen many a time. So let's instead always add organics. Organics we never have a problem with. They're just uh, very beneficial, and it's very difficult to add to too much from a practical standpoint. All right, we'll take another break, Bob. 936, the Bob Olin Show continues after this. All right, Bob, to the phone we go. We got somebody with a question. Hi, who's this? Um, this is Pat from Hi. Superior. Hi, Pat. And I, Hi, I'm just uh, calling. I have a problem with... Um, um, some horseradish that has crept in with the rhubarb, and I'm just wondering, it's become quite, you know, a companion in the plot. I'm wondering, um, should I just allow that to happen, or do you think I should separate the the roots um, or just uh, continue to let them uh, be together as companion crops? That uh, boy, that's a good question. You know, that's one of the downfalls of horseradish. They can uh, they can take off and become quite invasive. Um, let me ask you this: uh, you know, they're basically compatible. They will compete for water. They'll compete for sunlight. 
Uh, do you notice, uh, do you have good vigor in your, in your rhubarb at this point, or has that been impacted? Well, that has completely disappeared now, you know, but... Um, yes. Uh, but the stalks, of course, I'm cutting back on the root on my horseradish, and um, I'm wondering, you know, if I should allow this to happen or if I should make a real effort to get all of it separated. It's it'll be a big job, you know, and yeah. um, and probably not successful. It it actually came in, you know, because it uh, was inadvertent. I didn't plant it together, no. you know. And um, so I was wondering, um, you know, what I should do there. Or usually in the fall, I'll put some um, some um, composted manure over the whole sure. thing. Sure. And, and I'm just wondering if maybe I shouldn't do that or. Um, well, at, at this point, uh, we're probably encouraging uh, more of the horseradish with a little bit of that uh, additional fertility, so I probably would avoid that. Let me ask you this. Is there a possibility of shifting uh, to another rhubarb patch? I'm suggesting if we could get the weeds out uh, or the perennial grasses out of another area, full sun, good drainage, and uh, clean that up this fall and then move that rhubarb out of there, lift it out of there next spring, so you're going to start a new rhubarb. Patch. You wouldn't want to do with all of it. No, no. Because you want no. more uh, product production there. But it, would that be a possibility? Well, we could, you know, but you know how it sets it back a few years when you do it that. Does. That's why I wouldn't want to move it all. But sometimes what happens when you move to another location like that, uh, you get surprisingly a lot of vigor. And so you're going to be happy two, two to three years down the road that you've got that new reestablished root, uh, rhubarb patch because uh, the roots do get old. And uh, actually taking them out in the spring very early, just as they're either as they're beginning to emerge uh, from the ground and eliminating, you know, you can take a look at those roots. You can see what's old, what's fruity, what's potentially even um, soft and rotted. Uh, you move to another location. It, it tends to be very stimulative. So if you have the potential for another location, you might consider eliminating all the weeds right now, getting that ready to go, another fall task for you, and uh, incorporating a little potassium in the ground where you are in Superior. You're going to be low in potash, and that we'd like to get in the ground prior to planting. You'll be all set to go next spring. Take a portion of your patch out, just lift the rhubarb out, put them in the new patch, and leave the others alone and let them compete a little bit in the process. And uh, then you're going to, you know, if it does get so invasive uh, that it does impact, because I think it might eventually impact the uh, quality of the rhubarb you're getting in that, in that patch. Uh, so you move it out, and then you can, um, you know, it's a process, so you're not going to do it all at once. But then once you got most of uh, the rhubarb out or a portion of out, then you can control the horseradish, uh, get that eliminated completely from that part, and then you might even... Uh, you might even shift some of that from the old patch uh, into the newer patch. So you're in the process of renovating and without totally eliminating your, your, your harvest or your crop. But uh, you might give that a try. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. When I move rhubarb, uh, they just love to be moved. And uh, if you move them to a good new lo location in two, three years down the road, you're going to be glad that you renovated. So there is a time and a place to renovate a rhubarb patch, and this might be uh, one of the, the reasons that you may want to do it. Okay, and the other question, I have an above-ground asparagus patch, and I'm uh, wondering about um, if I should uh, fertilize that or if I should in the fall or if I should uh, wait until spring to do any of my 
fertilizing um, of the plants. You know, I'm reluctant. Yes. I tend to, you know, get too much of it on, and then I've got nothing. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, I know what you mean. Uh, let's not get any fertility on there in the fall. We want them just, at this point, uh, a nitrogen fertilizer would stimulate any green growth, and then that can be damaging. We want the green growth to harden off now. We want all of the sugars to be collected down there in the root system. So, again, a little fertility and compost, again, is, is valuable from that perspective. Compost has nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, not a great deal. If you have a real light soil, you haven't gotten good vigor out of your asparagus. And in the spring of the year, I'd get some compost on there. You might actually work in some synthetic uh, bag fertilizer as well. But in the early in the, earlier in the spring, uh, never in the fall like this, and just encourage those new roots to develop. And then ultimately, the ferns will come from that as this uh, nitrogen works its way down in the soil and feeds feeds the roots. So next spring, time to do that. Uh, never, never in the fall. And then again, with both rhubarb and asparagus, uh, full sun, good drainage. And then we do want to start stop harvesting about the 4th of July so that that plant can replenish the roots, both of those uh, plants. So both of them we handle about the same way. We get fertility on in the spring of the year, and then we uh, stop harvesting in early to mid-July, and then we just encourage the plant to store carbohydrates to get through the winter and replenish the roots, and ultimately the, uh, the new growth for next year. And the strawberries also, don't fertilize them? I wouldn't fertilize strawberries either. And what I do with the strawberries is I would, uh, and you've got a nice mix of really good garden stuff there. I'm just uh, a little bit envious. It's been a while since I've grown any number of strawberries, and uh, they're wonderful. Well, I keep trying. I keep trying, but I'm not, <laughs> with our critters around here, I'm not very successful. They are a challenge. They're just delicious, and unfortunately the critters, uh, they don't. Critters it's get well. them before I do lots of times, yeah. Yeah, oftentimes that certainly can be the place. But I would, again, I'd let them go. You know, you've got flower buds that are forming in the fall. It's been very warm. We don't we don't want any straw or protection on those at this point. We want them okay. to just continue to grow. That was we my don't. question, too. I have I usually put pine needles sure. on my honeyberries and that, but we don't want any of that on right now. That's after it gets frozen, right? Yeah, we really want temperatures down to the mid uh, mid twenties, uh, lower twenties before we start covering them up. Okay. Uh, right now, they're going to be still actively growing. We, if we were to cover right now, we've got all this activity. They, they never really get a chance to get dormant because we hold that heat in there, and then it gets extremely cold, and uh, they haven't had a chance to harden off. So they, we get a lot of winter kill if we mulch too early. So we want to let them just very gradually cool down. Watch the temperatures coming into November, and we're kind of in uncharted territory hitting uh, these warmer temperatures right now. Watch November and watch the thermometer when we get low uh, 20s at that point or forecast for low 20s. That's the point where we want to start getting some, uh, some mulch on there for protection. Some okay. things are actually even budding up with this warm weather. Yeah, this is this is a little strange, uh, that's for sure. And that we, of course, we get buds in the fall, we're not going to get them in the spring, so that can be kind of damaging. So okay. but things can change in about a week's time. Uh, we know the weather changes pretty quickly. So in the meantime, you know, composting, thinking about uh, the possibility of establishing uh, a new rhubarb area, a new rhubarb patch, I, I think you'll be glad you did two, three years down the road. Like I say, when I've renovated patches like that, it, you cut the roots up, you get two, three next spring now, you, when you're going to move the rhubarb roots, two, three nice buds there, and a nice quality 
uh, crown under the ground uh, root system there, and it, it tends to uh, revitalize and reinvigorate plants. And two, three years down the road, you'd be glad you made that transition. Try to separate them, okay? Yeah. How about um, I planted a whole bunch of daffodils, and I'm uh, wondering about the granular uh, fertilizer. I, I kept it off, and then I put some cedar mulch on, but I'm wondering if I should sprinkle this granular stuff on top. Well, again, I would uh, I'd wait till next spring on that because there's all wait the energy I... that plant needs is in the bulb. So, uh, but the, the nice thing about wait daffodils, till spring, okay. Yeah, they will naturalize for you. They're one of our few spring flowering bulbs that uh, yeah, will get established. Yeah, a whole bunch. Yep. Right, they come back year after year after year, yeah. and they could use uh, the fertility. But again, let's let's wait on all these in the spring. They're going to pop up beautifully. All the energy they need is stored in the bulb it's at this in point. There. It's there right now, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's so easy. It's easy to put too much on, I think. It is easy too much on, you know, a fertilizer, particularly a synthetic fertilizer. When you look at even a triple 17, you got 17%, a lot of concentrated nitrogen there, and we can over-apply. So let's be careful there and make sure it gets watered in. And we've got, of course, uh, even stronger forms of synthetic uh, nitrogen. We've got urea, which is about 44% nitrogen. That's very concentrated, so people have to be same with the roses. Is that right, too? Wait till same thing with the roses. Yeah, let's, let's okay. not. We want all these woody perennial materials. We want them just to acclimate to the cooler temperatures. We want them to harden off. Harden we, don't up. Want to do, okay. now, we don't want to do anything to encourage growth. That would be even um, additional watering. We don't want to do that. We want them just to settle down and get ready for the winter and to slow their entire, all their metabolic processes down so we don't burn any unnecessary carbohydrate. All that carbohydrate, we want it down in the roots, down in the rhizomes, and stored for the winter so it can pop up uh, new growth in the spring. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I'm glad I called you because I was just getting ready to get out my fertilizers that I bought. Well, no, we're not going to do that now. You've got plenty to do between uh, maybe get the weeds out for a new patch and compost. Oh, that's that's a huge job. Yes, it is a big job. So better better to spend your time there on a beautiful day like this than uh, getting any fertility. Just just keep it. If you have the fertilizer, once again, uh, the nitrogen component will denitrify. It's the only major nutrient we have that came from the air and 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 down in the ground. It wants to go back to the air. So if you got any fertility, let's get it double wrapped in plastic bags tied off tight so that it can't denitrify so you still have that that same amount of uh, nitrogen available to you next spring so keep them keep them cool keep them dry keep them tight in the plastic bag and they'll they'll do fine for you uh when you need them next spring thank you yep thanks for the call appreciate it bob we'll take a break be right back Nine fifty-one. the bob olin show here on kdao it's the bob olin show here on kdao we got time for another quick question hi who's this it better quick right after the last lady did a good job there. Okay, go for uh, it. <laughs> it's Joanne. Oh, all right. Hi. Yeah, call, yeah, Joanne calling from Proctor. So my question is, I have two roadie bushes that uh, were planted by a landscaper. Um, I wasn't too happy right from the start because they were pretty small and they have not they've probably been there for five or six years probably grown maybe three or four inches it's never bloomed so my question is should i should i keep waiting i'm getting kind of old long in the tooth here so i don't know if i'll still be alive when they do bloom or should i replace them 
Could I, could you take me back again? I, I was not able to hear the type of plant, the type of shrub that you had there. Oh, roto, ro- rhodi, rhododendron. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, do, do you happen to know the type of rhododendron? Was it a uh, uh, one of the purple rhododendrons? Is it a uh, a rhododendron that loses its leaves, or do the leaves are uh, retained during the winter months? Well. Uh, I knew you'd ask me that, and I don't know the type, but it does not lose its leaves. They stay quite nice, okay. bright green. Yeah. They stay bright green. Yeah. Um, I, I would say this. Uh, what uh, did, You know, we really want an acidic soil for the roadies, and uh, do you know, was any soil modification done when they were installed or planted? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, that might be yeah. a part of the factor. They're going to like... Uh, at least, you know, they don't need full sun, but they need uh, sun for uh, much of the day and uh, good drainage, full sun, but an acidic soil. So I'm trying to think if there's a way rather than, as you mentioned, when we when we don't acidify the soil at the time of planting, oftentimes it's difficult to do that coming over the top. In other words, just spreading something that will modify the pH of the soil and make it more acidic. We usually have to raise the plant up and then incorporate some acid sphagnum peat moss or sulfur or some other acidifying component and then replant them. That can be done very early next spring. It really doesn't set the plant back that much, but it, it might actually improve it by by uh, making them acidic. Uh, a lot of these plants, uh, they are slow growing even if we have ideal uh, conditions, but I'm, I would rather suspect that we have a, uh, an issue there where the soil isn't acidic enough and maybe we don't have quite enough, uh, quite enough sunlight. So I think that would be my take on that. If you're still willing to do it, uh, um, maybe lifting them and trying to acidify the soil or maybe, you know, just sticking with, uh, we've got some that are, are, are just so productive. Uh, so there are some, uh, some uh, JPMs that are really very, very nice uh, that can be, uh, will grow a little faster. We've got all of our azaleas, the northern series, which are rhododendrons too. Uh, these are uh, in this great big family called rhododendron. And, uh, but they all require uh, at least a uh, fairly sunny location, not necessarily total full sun, but uh, they need sun, a good drainage, and they need an acidic soil at the time of planting. So that's probably not what you wanted to hear, <laughs> but that's probably the solution to your issue and the problems there. But what you want to do, you sound uh, very vital, and you want to keep gardening at, uh, at all ages. We want to continue to do this and get outside and enjoy this beautiful day. But I appreciate that call. Yep. Thank you very much for the call. Bob, we got to wrap it up today. Okay. Festival of Seasons, Duluth Farmer's Market. 14th Avenue East, shuttle bus from 3rd Street and 6th Avenue East, 10 to 3 this Saturday. It's going to be a big time for everybody. Sounds good. Bob, we'll catch you again next Tuesday. You bet. Thank you, Dave. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center. Located in Dan's Feed Bin in Superior. And by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig.